On this episode of the Off the Bench Podcast, we'll talk with Wizards Vice President of College Personnel, Frank Ross, as we conclude our weeks-long coverage of the NBA Draft Combine and Lottery here in Chicago, Illinois. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Off the Bench Podcast. We had a great conversation with Frank Ross, who details specifically what the organization is looking for in this year's draft prospects. There are a lot of interviews, not only with the players, but doing a lot of background checks. So we wanted to give you an in-depth look into how the process actually unfolds for the Wizards on this episode of the Off the Bench Podcast. Enjoy. Frank Ross, the VP of College Personnel, is kind enough to join us here on the Off the Bench podcast. And I've known you for a long time, but this is the first time you and I have actually conducted an interview. Decorum and professionalism is required, <laughs> sir, okay. uh, at least from my part. Okay. Uh, but on a serious note, how long have you been doing this? I believe this is my 19th year. Okay. Yeah, but first I want to say congratulations to you. Well, thank you very much. I mean, look at you. I mean, this is, is this what it takes for you to get on camera to be nice to me? I'm always nice, Chris, <laughs> especially to you. Thank you. So this process is kind of old hat for you for doing it for 19 years, though. But how has it changed from when you first got into scouting and evaluating players to where we are in 2022, where there was a ballroom the other night, a lot of pomp and circumstance kind of leading up to this? Well, when I first started, Chicago was at uh, Moody Bible. Mm -hmm. So now we're in Wintrust Arena. It's a bigger environment. It's a, even having all of this here with the NBA, it's a bigger production. And they, and they do a pretty good job with it. Um, there are more kids now because we have the, also have the, the G League showcase before the, the actual NBA combine. So it's, it's gotten a lot bigger, and they'll take a few kids from that. So it's, it's a lot bigger now. Well, the beauty of it as a hooper is the players still come out here and compete. When you're evaluating kids today, how important is that part of your evaluation <laughs> to see how the kids actually compete 94 by 50? That, that, is, that is a huge part because it's a five-on-five -five game. And I, a lot of times I say, you know, it's almost like if you, you can go watch a kid do drills and sh shooting drills and with cones and things of that nature. But to me, it's like having going to watch a fighter and watching a fighter hit the mitts, the speed bag, jump rope, and he looks good. Mm -hmm. But you want to see how he responds when he gets hit. And so the competition is, is a huge part of it because that's, like I said, it's a five-on-five -five game. It's not a one-on-one -on -one game. You know, as you know, there are certain kids that are at the top of the draft board, Frank, that are just being advised, hey, you don't have to do this. You've got film. They've, there's enough data on you. But I've known you for a long time, and I know that you really love to see the sweat equity that's put on the floor, not only in the college games, but you know this is a perfect example of seeing really talent on talent. Is that valuable, do you still think, in this day and age, or does what the kid does for 30 games at a university or in the G League or overseas still outweigh this? I mean, it's all a piece. But if you played 30 games and you're, in your 30 games you didn't, as I say, pros dominate their peers on a nightly basis, mm -hmm. then you, you need to come out here and also you need to show when you get out here with, amongst this group, do you rise to the top. But the, the 30 games or 35 games, however many they may play, that's a huge part because it's it. that's, that's the resume, that's the, that's the, the battlefield, and that's mm -hmm. the stuff we want to see, how you perform 
on the road, how you perform, and you know, for, for if you're at a smaller school, how you performed against the bigger schools, and if you're at a bigger school, how you played on a consistent basis against a smaller school or lesser competition, did you bring it, were you the best player on the court as well then, or did you take that night off? Because as I say, in the NBA, it's train 82. It's 82 games, it's not 30 games. So we, we need to see how guys compete consistently night in and night out. For people that are listening to this, kind of describe when does this evaluation stuff start for you in a normal season? When do you start looking at the players and kind of how does it ramp up for you as we're now getting ready for June's draft? Well, once, once this year's draft is over on, in June, we start, we start the process back up. Once uh, September, we start to map out practices we're going to, and so it starts then. So we're, you know, pretty much once summer league is over, we're on to next year. Okay. And then, as I said, once September hits, we're starting the latter part of September because they're, they're practicing earlier now. So we start to go out and watch practices. And so the, it, it starts over. It's almost like once summer league, once, um, once the draft is over and we, we're going into summer league, you, you kind of, my mind is also kind of still starting to go toward the next draft. Okay, so you breathe a little bit. A little bit, you're it's over, again. you know. <laughs> How important is it to have relationships with college coaches? G League, obviously, we know of our affiliation. But international, we'll get to the international in a moment because I think that has a lot of value in today's NBA. But how important is it for you to have constant communication, or if you can, with college coaches? It, you know, the, the relationships that uh, with college coaches are huge. One of the unique things about our, our college scouting staff, we have a lot of former coaches and former we have a couple former players but we're all basketball people so you know when being able to pick up the phone and say example you were in the draft and I have I'm, I'm always we're like two degrees of separation from finding out about Chris Miller okay. Chris Miller's AAU coach Chris Miller's high school coach or maybe uh, Chris Miller's college coach that one of us have a relationship with okay. that we need to talk to so we don't have to go out and and, and buy information about kids you know the the intel and finding out how how were they as a high school you know when they were in high school when they were, played AAU so it's it's valuable to have those relationships because as I said I don't have to you know purchase someone's service to get information for us because we have a we have a lot of folks that have within our college um, department that have enough ties and relationships to get information. Frank, one of the really important parts of this week is obviously what they're doing here on the floor, but the interviews. And, you know, if, it doesn't matter if it's the NFL or the NBA, you know, kids sometimes get tricked or they get, they don't really kind of understand being in the room with guys like you who have already done all the information. Right. What is some advice that you could give a kid or his parents or his handlers or whatever about handling the interview portion of this process? The thing that, you know, when kids come in, you know, we say to them, you know, there's no right or wrong answers, but just be truthful. Because generally when we ask you a question, and it is, if it's a very specific question about something, we already have the answer. Mm -hmm. So just be truthful, be yourself, and don't try to, don't try to oversell yourself. Because it's not, a, this is, you know, we already, we've seen you play. Mm -hmm. So you can't, you can't tell me you're a shooter and you shot 28% from the college three. Right. Because our line is a lot further back. I mean, a lot of times kids will come in and they won't say, I can stretch the floor. And it's like, well, you just struggled shooting from the college three. Our line is a little further back. Now you can come in and say, you know, well, I'm working on 
on my shooting. I struggled this year. You know, and, and, and don't be so confident that you're going to be in terms of saying you're going to be a four-time All-Star. I mean, right. and I think a lot of times they come in, they don't really know how, they don't understand how hard it is to, to make an NBA team be, better yet being an All-Star. You know, especially a perennial All-Star. Right. It, if you could put a percentage on, like, the interview part of it, what, what would that percentage be of the total evaluation you and your staff have made all year long? I'd probably say it's maybe about five, ten percent, and of of the total evaluation, um, because the main thing we just want to be able to, and 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 then even the bigger part is when we bring the guys to our practice facility. That's a that's another touching point for us, because we, you know, they a lot of times they'll conduct themselves, you know, they're Eddie Haskell's when they're around us, <laughs> but we want to see like when you went over to the equipment guy, he handed you handed your equipment to you or if you needed something, how'd you interact with him? How you interact with the training staff, the strength and conditioning coach. So, you know, we, we asked we asked them about how was their interaction with, with, with the guys that we bring in. So those those touching points are important as well. I want to get into international scouting. Um, something that Tommy told me a long time ago is you guys never check IDs or passports. Like you if somebody's hooping, y'all on a plane to go see it. You've done a long time. You've been in the scouting part internationally for a long time. What is that process like compared to our kids here in the States? First of all, that going to Europe, it's, it's a, uh, it, the one thing about it, you got to be flexible when you go over there to games because sometimes you may, you may, the game you thought you was going to at three, that game may have been changed. Okay. So you got to be flexible, but it's a, um, you, you, you have a different perspective when you go over and watch guys, younger guys too, that are playing um, professionally because, first of all, he might not even be playing a whole lot. So you, you know, you, you, you get in there early to watch him in warm-ups because, as I said, kid might play two or three minutes. And then, you, but you, you want to go over and see how he, uh, as I said, you see how he was in warm-up, how he prepared himself. And so your evaluation may be you just saw him for two or three minutes and, or the kid might not play at all so you may have to come back so it's you know there's a lot of different variables Johnny Johnny uh, uh, Johnny Rogers oversees our uh, most of our international scouting and and you know I, I correlate I, I will get with him and, and he'll kind of say hey you need to go over here and see this guy and this guy and we have our international guys that once I get over you know Marco Baldi is one of our guys over there and Marco you know, he'll take, he'll have the schedule mapped out and then I'll go to the game. But it's, I mean, it's, as I said, when you're watching these younger guys, you may not see them play a great deal. Yeah. And so that's, that's sometimes you, you got to go back and watch some video on them. I think of Denny, and the reason why I bring this up is, I remember you telling me, Chris, this kid plays hard. And I maybe saw a couple of YouTubes, you know, all of us who think we know the game, you know, we, we, we look on YouTube. But I just remember specifically that was a conversation you and I had said, one thing you'll notice right away is the kid plays hard. Right. That should be a prerequisite, right? It should but be. for him, it stood out. Right. At one point when you saw Denny, did you go, I think this kid has a chance to be an NBA player? Well, he's playing with grown men and he's playing professionally. Okay. So he, you know, the one thing about Denny, he didn't back down. So if he's not backing down out on the floor with grown men, then I knew his transition coming 
to the NBA was it wasn't going to be you know you're going to have your up and ups and downs all rookies do but the one thing you knew he was not going to be afraid he was not going to be afraid of the moment because some of those you know those environments in Europe I mean they're very hostile environments mm -hmm. and so for young guys to have that experience it's it's invaluable so for Denny like I said I just I knew that was one thing he was going to give us because we wanted to add some you know some guys that's going to continually compete on a consistent basis and the NBA has become such a global game you know obviously we know where it started it really started with the dream team but when you see guys like Luca Porzingis Denny what skill sets do they possess that maybe attract you guys to them more than maybe a kid that's out here? Um, a, a lot of it in terms of the, from the from the neck up part, the, the IQ, because it, Denny, you know, like if, if, even if you look at Luca and those, I mean, he was been playing professionally since he was 14 years old. So you you learn it's almost like going back to when when I was younger and I was playing when you playing with older guys a lot of times they're gonna give you a lot of nuggets and I think those guys get those nuggets earlier and they they're getting directed in the right way to play and play the right way and so you don't have to be corrected a great deal once you get you know you get to the NBA because a lot of times our guys they don't understand about winning at a young age because they play so many you play a lot of AAU games and winning and competing on a consistent basis get lost because you have so many games. So I think that's a major factor a lot of times, uh, understanding the game because they get corrected by, by grown men. Because if you're out there and you're trying to win the game, you know, just like when I was growing up and you're out there playing and the game's tied and you come down and take a bad shot, you're going to get corrected. Right. And I think a lot of that gets missed because kids today don't play a whole lot, especially play with older guys. We've been joined by Frank Ross, VP of College Personnel for the Washington Wizards, here on the Off the Bench podcast. The human element of evaluating humans. <laughs> Describe that for me in 19 seasons. Because you, you think you see something, and then you guys have done all of this intel, you have all this data, but yet that player has to put that uniform on and go do the 82, as right, I call it. Right. Uh, I don't want you to be specific in terms of where you're like, dang, I think we missed that one, or whoa, we got that one right. But talk to me about the human part of evaluating humans. Uh, you know, we all have our different biases. And, and, and you know, scouting is no different. I'm, I'm going to always be more partial to guys that can really shoot the ball. So um, for me, over the years, I've had to learn to uh, uh, not put so much value on where guys shooting is right now but can that shooting improve down the road now I'm not saying a guy like there are guys that come in like you watch Steph and Kevin Durant those guys could shoot coming in Ben Gordon Ray Allen Reggie Miller all those guys could come in shooting now I'm not saying for a guy to not be able to sh not be an accurate or a consistent shooter in college and come in and be one of those guys but in terms of being able to improve so for me kind of pulling back and, and understanding, okay, this is a young kid because guys are coming in younger. Yeah. And, and so I think that also where, as, as the, the evaluating people or the human element, under, understanding you're evaluating guys that are a lot younger now and projecting out. And there's no exact science to it. Right, there's no like formula. You know, right. you go X, Y equals whatever. I want to end with this, with this year's draft and this year's collection of talent, specific to what you guys are looking for. 
Is there a certain position that's out here that is intriguing for what you guys could potentially do at 10? Yeah, I think what we always do, you know, when, when draft comes on draft night, we've got our, our board lined up and we always going to take the, the best talent. Okay. And, and I, I don't think that you, you, you don't, if you pigeonhole yourself a lot of times position wise, you can, you can miss the, the talent because if you draft talent, talent sometimes later can help you draft need. I understand. Um, so <laughs> what is it like draft night when you do have your board up there? Are there any examples where you go, I want this guy, Tommy might want that guy, Brett wants somebody else, <laughs> Johnny wants somebody else, Twan is talking, everybody <coughs> in the room has to come together at one point and be like, this is the pick. Was there ever a time where you were kind of like, we're all over the road? No. I mean, once we, on draft night, we got our order and okay. we stick to the board and and that's been very successful for us mm -hmm. you know with, with Rui with Corey Kispert with Denny and you know that that has helped keep us on track because you got to have a you know you got to have a map yeah. and we we stick to our map is it important to be on the same page in this evaluation with the head coach or is it what you need coach here's what we're thinking position wise or are you guys kind of like working in concert with Wes? Because, you know, each coach is different. Their styles are different. Right. We, I mean, we work in concert with him. I mean, he, he knows he's abreast on what's, what's going on. He'll be in some of the meetings that, you know, that we hold. So he, he's definitely abreast on it. But I think it's important that you don't have chaos on, on draft night. And we've, you know, we've got a, a seasoned staff and we've been together long enough that, you know, when we come out of that room and we've got our board lined up, and, and it's time for us to make a pick. There's no, oh, should we do that? Wait a minute, wait, who, who you want? I mean, there's, there is no chaos at that point. We, we looking at the board and we're going. Because you guys have done so, we, all the work. Like we've done said. the work. Like, I mean, I got a lot of nights in Marriott, you know, this past <laughs> year. So, as, as the whole scouting staff does, so we've done the work. So, you know, that at that point, that's the culmination of all the work we've done. We, from, you know, everybody get, will get in on that Monday and, and then by Thursday, we've we've haggled out, we've 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 argued, we've hey no, why you why you think this guy's good? No, but man, what? Man, when I saw him, when we come out of the room, we got the board on Thursday, that's it. You're trusting the board. We're trusting the board. Frank, thank you so much for your time and information. Uh, and I thought you were extremely personable and professional in this first <laughs> ever real interview that I've done with you in 15 years. So much respect to that. I appreciate that, man. I still love you. Though. <laughs>